You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good. Came to Tuscaloosa. We're kicking off against uh, Georgia State. That's tomorrow, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, they, somebody yeah. needs to change their calendar up a bit, but yeah, sure. Why not? Sure, it's right. Yeah, here, tailgate. Wondering where all the RVs are, but uh, nevertheless, there's a lot more uh, beer for sale in town. So things are going well so far, and uh, we're 1-0 and after, uh, after beating USC. That's right. And if you do own an RV or if you do plan to tailgate, you probably need a car. And if you need a car, you need to go to rockauto.com and we will talk about them in just a little bit. Uh, Jimmy, football did actually get more started yesterday. The first Power Five team was involved in a game, Miami playing UAB last night. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this loud and proud. I've always been a uh, more of a UAB detractor because of the relationship basketball-wise between uh, the main university and then the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I have Gene Bartow certainly rubbed some folks the wrong way. And um, I, I sort of carried that over with me, even though I never fully understood all of it. But, you know, I'm sort of a UAB. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not a fan like I'm an Alabama fan. But I'm a fan in the sense that I love me some Bill Clark. Bill Clark is a badass to me. I think he is awesome. Um, and he, he was a great high school coach, and he's, he's a great uh, college coach. And I think he'll make a great Power Five coach one day. Um, so I was pulling for them last night. It didn't turn out. It didn't work out. But, boy, that was a sloppy game to me. Yeah, I really thought a lot of these early games would look weird, which just kind of look strange because, I mean, it's just unprecedented. It's unprecedented for everyone, the coaches, the players. I mean, no spring practice, no normal fourth quarter program, no normal summer. Now there's no normal fall camp. Then you have to pause and quit. And then the kids are getting tested two or three days a week. And uh, it's just crazy. And all that lends itself to crazy games. And I thought last night was crazy. It was, it was sloppy uh, for both teams. Uh, I, I wasn't impressed with Miami, and, and I wasn't as impressed with UAB as I hope to be because, like you, I pull for UAB now, uh, and I do think Bill Clark is one heck of a coach, and uh, Tyler Johnston, the quarterback, is is one of our QB country uh, uh, trainees, and I root for him, and, and you know, but, but it was ugly. It was ugly all the way around, and I think a lot of it was the weird preparation, but in, in the end, Miami was able to pull away because they they own the line of scrimmage. They were better uh, on the offensive line. They were better on the defensive line. Uh, they just owned the line of scrimmage. They could run the ball, and, U- and UAB couldn't. And that, that ultimately was the difference in the game. And uh, But when you think about it, of course Miami owned the line of scrimmage. It would be really absurdly bad of Miami not to. Uh, but U- UAB just couldn't physically hang with a, uh, you know, a, a decent power five group at the line of scrimmage. And I think ultimately that was, uh, ultimately that was the difference. I'm, I'm with you on Tyler Johnston too. Look, if he, I think he's a junior now. Um, he's a junior. He's been around a long time though. Yeah, he has been around a while. If he were to have one of those moments where you're like, look, I'm just going to transfer to Alabama for the hell of it in case they need a backup or something. 
I would I would welcome him with open arms. I, now, there were some throws last night where he obviously couldn't get enough on them. I mean, there was a wide open touchdown. He just, right. I don't know if he flipped. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was a right. wounded duck. Um, but I'm going to tell you, that kid's a winner. I don't think he lost a game in high school. That's correct. He never lost until he got to UAB and frankly has done a lot of winning at UAB. Yeah. They just don't play. They just don't play the University of Miami mm-hmm. every week. And but, you know, Miami is more relevant to Alabama in the sense that they're a power five team. It was our first look at a power five team. And Derek King was a really highly scrutinized transfer. They talked about Derek King for 20 minutes on the initial game day show last week. And and I think uh, Herb Street and Desmond mentioned Miami as a potential sleeper playoff team. But I'll tell you what, they, they didn't look anything like a playoff team. And while Derek King was certainly effective and probably the reason Miami, you know, pulled away at the end and, and he made some plays, I, I wasn't overly impressed with Derek King last night. He certainly wouldn't be on my uh, Heisman radar based on how he played last night. Uh, I, Miami looked very average to me. They, they did not look at all like they would be a threat to uh, Clemson and Notre Dame and the ACC. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, to put them in that that stratosphere is is a quantum leap. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I was about to say, well, De'Aaron King, I guess Alabama won't have to face him next year, but I keep forgetting that everybody has a free year. This is a free year for everybody. Do what you want to do. I mean, um, you know, let the rough end drag. Who gives a shit? Just, just go out there and play. Um, because you get a free year this year. So De'Aaron King, if he wants to, can come back to Miami next year. And Miami will have more talent next year because they are bringing in a pretty good and, and pretty salty recruiting class. Now, do I worry about Miami opening up with Alabama in Atlanta next year? No, I do not. I, they're still coached by the same cat who I don't think is very good. And frankly, Miami looked woefully unprepared. They got down seven to nothing before they even woke up it seemed like to me I'm going to give them a bit of a pass because I don't know how anybody's going to look uh, under these COVID situations and uh, that that was my first thought was is it am I more impressed UAB hung with them for a while or am I less impressed by Miami um, or it can I really glean anything from this whole game you know, I almost lean more towards not gleaning anything at all from it. <laughs> you know, initially, and I think in the first half, there were times where I was like, wow, give Bill Clark credit again for somehow figuring out how to how to compete with, with the bigger boys. Uh, and, and I was impressed by him. But in the second half, I, I thought Miami sort of, I don't know if dominate's the right word because Miami never played well enough to, to call them dominant. But uh, I, I do think that Miami proved in the second half that they're the much better football team. Uh, you know, but I, I, at no point did I think Miami was impressive. And uh, I don't think they're going to be impressive all year long. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see once once they start getting into ACC play uh, next weekend. That's true. Um, and then, of course, we have some other games this weekend. We can get into if we wanted to. We still got two weeks from the Alabama game, one thing I do want to do, and I've already reached out to the Locked On Missouri people again. We've done a, a co-op pod with them in the past, and I think we're going to do another one just to preview this game. And hopefully that's something we do all year long where we uh, have a, a host from another Locked On podcast of Alabama's opponent for that week, and we have them on the program. I'm hoping we get to do that. Um, so, Jimmy, 
going back to rockauto.com, I mean, look, if you're tailgating, if you have an RV, chassis, you need them. You got to have them. You can't go anywhere without a chassis. I'm pretty sure. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure. And uh, you also can't show up to a Miami Hurricanes game without those orange and green fuzzy dice. And I'm almost positive that Rock Auto has those. They've got everything else. Why wouldn't they have that? They've got everything your car could ever need. All the parts your car could ever need is actually what they say at rockauto.com. R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. They are the sponsor for all things Locked On. And you need to go check them out if you want to save some money before you go to that repair shop and get that chassis waxed or serviced or whatever it is you do to chassis, then you need to go to rockauto.com and see if you can buy some chassis wax. I don't know. I don't know what you got over there, but I'm not a car guy. So uh, go to rockauto.com because they are car people, not me, them. Don't go to lukerobinson.com. Go to rockauto.com. Jimmy, um, you are in Tuscaloosa. What's the vibe like right now? Well... It's not, it's not a good vibe for furniture shopping. I can tell you that. That's, that's one thing. Uh, a, little, a little slow there. We're having a little bit of a, a distribution issue on the highways. But apart from that, you're probably talking about football. Um, you know, it, I, I can tell you this. I was joking about, you know, playing Georgia State tomorrow because uh, that, that's what was scheduled to happen. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of kids going to class. I mean, there are kids walking around campus with their, with their backpacks and and I guess going to libraries and different things, you do see students walking around, but it's uh, one one hundredth of the normal students you would see walking around. But the the town itself, the campus itself, is crowded. Uh, I get the impression that uh, just looking around, that seventy five percent of the normal enrollment is here uh, on campus, and they're here, and there's lots of cars and lots of traffic, and all the apartment and condo parking lots are full but uh but you don't see the normal foot traffic on campus there's some but uh it's it's so it's a very weird vibe it feel i'll tell you what i'll tell you what for those that spend a lot of time up here it feels like a summer one like 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 it's it, it feels like summer one or summer two where there are some students here going to school but most everyone else is home that that's what it feels like uh, but on the other hand, here we are two weeks from the start of kickoff. So it's, it's bizarre for sure. Yeah. And, um, I'm just curious what the whole scene is going to be like when Alabama has that first home game against Texas A&M. Um, it is very bizarre to watch college football right now, or even NFL football. I watched that game last night. It's just weird not to see not to see fan shots or fans in the stands shots. I mean, and when they do have that big um, overarching shot of the whole stadium, you see like, you know, 2000 people in there. It's just weird. Now for Miami, it's not quite as weird because that's kind of how they do it anyway, especially uh, in that venue. But um, you know, at the orange bowl every now and again, they would have some, have some uh, big games and, and some crowded games, but at Joe Robbie, they don't seem to. Um, Man, it's just gonna. I'm afraid it's gonna look so cavernous. You know what I what I um what I'm going to relate it to is the same thing as uh, a one A state championship game in either Jordan Hare or Bryant Denny Stadium, where you know it just looks cavernous. I mean, I I feel sorry for the kids because they look around and go, "Oh my god!" It feels like this the field is never going to end. It's still a hundred yards. 
it just probably feels like it's 700 yards, you know? Yeah, uh, and that's always been – you're there, and, and I've rarely – it's been a while, but, uh, you know, I rarely go, and you're there every year. And uh, it's it's always curious to me as to why – I guess it's a really big deal for your normal high school football player in 1A or 2A football to, to play in Bryant-Denny or in Jordan-Hare and, and how cool that's supposed to feel. And maybe it does feel cool that you're using their locker rooms where the Alabama and Auburn guys are. But then they play in that stadium, and it, it's desolate, and it's huge – but it feels so empty, and I can't help but think those 1A, 2A, 3A games especially would be more exciting for the kids if they were on their home field or the other team's home field and the place was the much smaller place is packed and filled with excitement as opposed to uh, what, what kind of looks like a scrimmage you know, down there. So it's, it's kind of strange that they choose to do it that way to me, but uh, thankful, thankfully I'm not in charge of everything. Everybody should be thankful about that. Yeah, it is. It's just going to be. Um, it's just going to be something we all have got to get used to. Meanwhile, uh, I think this is looking better by the day. The way that Big Twelve, the uh, SEC, and the ACC have handled this thing, uh, because the Big Ten, I mean, the power, the the big time schools in the Big Ten seem to be clamoring for, hey, we still got to get involved with this somehow. And I don't think it's going to happen. It just seems like it's too late. And meanwhile, Ohio State had one of their top offensive linemen in Wyatt Davis, who I think Alabama was involved with in recruiting. Yes. He has decided to opt out. So even if Ohio State were to play, he's not going to play. Apparently now he could always change his mind, of course. But um, it seems like Ohio State's going to start losing some folks. And so even if they decide to play, uh, they're going to be not the team they were supposed to be. So, yeah, this is going to be – just just interesting, troubling times. And meanwhile, the AHSA in the state of Alabama is just keeping forward. Um, I've got a scoreboard show tonight. There are a lot of big games, a lot of fun games. Mountain Brook taking on a Huffman team, both of them undefeated. That's going to be fun. Thompson, I get to see them on TV tonight. I can't wait to watch them. Jeremiah Alexander, Peter Woods, um, the, Connor Harold, their uh, – their, uh, quarterback who's only a junior who I think is a lot of fun to watch and, and a name to watch for the future so yeah I'm looking forward to all this and um, I'm excited it's back but boy it was just it did not have the same feel last night and I guess I just got to get used to it yep but uh, it was nice I enjoyed uh, I watched primarily UAB Miami I did watch quite a bit of Chiefs and Texans uh, I thought that you know the NFL on TV it's so good the camera work is so good that to me, the NFL game didn't feel crazy different because it's the same camera. Sh- you know, they have a lot of tight camera shots in the NFL and they don't focus so much on the fans. But then when they did focus on the fans, there were enough fans there to where it didn't look as empty unless they had a pull away shot, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, you know, I, I the, the NFL game didn't seem dramatically different to me. Uh, now the uh, the college game certainly did. Um, the the Miami UAB game felt very strange, but hey, uh, it is better than the alternative. There were many weeks and many days this spring and summer where it didn't seem like football would happen at all. So I'm very grateful to be able to watch it. And uh, and so far, so far, uh, things seem and feel pretty safe, uh, both with uh, you know w- with the players. And even with the lack of community spread, as, as numbers seem to be going down over uh, most of the country, except for some uh, hotspots. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you this. If we didn't have football, I'd be winning the damn yard of the week every week in my neighborhood because I'd be out there just trimming and mowing and cutting and weed eating and pulling and doing, and uh, I'd be bored out of my yin-yang. Um, Jimmy, let's let's go ahead and take another break, and when we come back, we'll just talk a few miscellaneous Alabama oddments. All right, everybody, this is a bit of a pre- abbreviated podcast today. Jimmy's in Tuscaloosa, meandering about. Every weekend, Jimmy's doing something. You know, he's always got some kind of anniversary or it's just some kind of going to Tuscaloosa for no apparent reason. He still thought he was the Georgia State game. You know, that that would be funny that we have a podcast about Alabama football and you literally still thought it was Alabama-Georgia State. That would be kind that of That would be great. That would be, that'd be awesome. Maybe somebody is in town. Maybe some. Maybe there's one person. Maybe there's some Amish family in town that have a radio. They bought, got tickets to this a year ago, and and they're here now. That was uh, Jimmy, we're coming. <laughs> Showing up at the stadium tomorrow, going, "Gosh, I thought there'd be more people here." Like uh, Clark Griswold, you know, hey, for first ones at Wally World. Uh, y'all can play if you want to, but we're going to be there. Y'all don't have to show up. We're going to be in the damn stadium. We we didn't use this carton buggy to, from Pennsylvania for nothing, damn it. Um, That's right. Are you hearing anything else from practice, Jimmy? A little bit. I mean, I was able to discern a little bit from videos. Um, here's here's the one thing to talk about that I think is interesting. You know, we don't get the beat writers, you know, reports every day. So so some of it is speculation. Some of it's reading between the lines, and some of it is whispers you hear. But it does appear that after the first three weeks of camp, we tried Chris Owens at center and Dickerson and Deontay Brown at guard. And uh, it appears – that we are settling on that our best unit is actually Dickerson back at center and starting Emil Echior as the fifth lineman. And, and that's, that, that's the momentum here. I think that's what we're going to see against Missouri is Dickerson at center, Echior and Deontay Brown at guard with of course, Leatherwood and Evan Neal at the tackle spots. And uh, that, that appears to be the lineup and I'm not surprised. I wasn't going to be shocked two, three, four different combinations w- wouldn't have shocked me at all. Uh, so I'm not shocked uh, in the least. Uh, and Ekior has a very bright future. I think he's a future pro player myself. Um, and real strong, smart kid. Uh, intelligence cannot be undervalued on the offensive line. I think it's a valuable trait among the best linemen in the NFL. Uh, a bunch of smart guys. And uh, I think uh, I th- it looks, looks to me like that's w- what they're going with. If there's news from the practice field, to me, it's uh, it's that along with the continued emergence of uh, of Will Anderson uh, at outside linebacker, who the raves cannot be ravier. But but it's not a game. He hasn't played in a game yet. Let's see, let's see how he does. But uh, I've been around the block enough to kind of know what to expect. And I put it this way: I think, as a matter of fact, I feel almost certain Will Anderson is going to do something impressive in the first quarter of the first game. That that That's what I think. Okay, that'd be kind of cool. Do you think he's going to be the freshman everybody's talking about? Is it going to be him, Javon Baker, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore? Is it going to be Will Anderson that's going to be the freshman that's going to turn everybody's head? I think Brian Branch will play the most snaps. Branch will rarely leave the field while Will Anderson will be a little more situational. But I think that Will Anderson's impact 
may be the biggest impact, even if it's fewer snaps. But in terms of snaps played, I think Brian Branch will lead this freshman group uh, and, and that he will basically be a, uh, a full-time, you know, he'll, 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 he's just going to be the starter uh, as the nickel back and we're in nickel 70% of the time. So he'll, and then we're in dime, you know, another 15% of the time. So about 80% of all snaps, you know, Brian Branch is going to be out there. Will Anderson will play fewer snaps, but he will be as or more impactful. I think Drew Sanders will be impactful as well. I think Javon Baker will play quite a bit, but probably be the fourth or fifth receiver in terms of pass receptions. So not quite, not quite as, uh, you know, impactful. I mean, in terms of like, uh, you know, he, he'll play with the first team, but in terms of catching balls, I think Javon will be behind, uh, of course, Devontae Jalen and probably behind Mechie and Waddle as well. Um, Mechie and Bolden. I mean, Slade Bolden is the fourth guy. One other thing I want to throw out there, and this apparently just happened last night, and I just stumbled across it today. Um, there's a kid named, uh, I think it's Brian Shorter from Penn State, who was a pretty highly recruited kid a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, five-star. Um, and he's pretty good. I mean, he was he was good for the Nittany Lions. Well, he decided to transfer to Florida. And I didn't see if it was like he decided to transfer once Penn State decided they weren't playing. I, I didn't see that part. Um, but he got his waiver approved. And I just – I found that – Unbelievable, um, because it, I, he had to have decided to transfer here recently. And to get his waiver approved now, when you've got – and I'm just going to pull a name out of the air here. Joey uh, Gatewood, who transferred from Auburn to Kentucky, as far as I know, he has still not been cleared. And he decided right. to transfer months and months and months and months ago. I, it, it, this this could be a rant. It We should start a podcast – Locked on shit I hate about the NCAA. This makes no sense. How do you do this? How do you do that to one kid and then leave another kid hanging in the lurch? I'm fine if you want to take a long time with everybody, or I'm fine if you want to make it a quick process for everybody. But to treat one kid the way you treated Gatewood or Javon Quinterly, um, and and to not give an explanation as to why you do it, and then uh, what was it, Luke Ford, I think, from Georgia – and wanted to get closer to home yeah. to be closer to a sick relative, a legitimate sick relative. And right. they decided not to approve his waiver, but Justin Fields, they, they have no problem letting him go to Ohio state and start immediately. I, it's so irritating to me. And it's one of the reasons why everybody should hate the NCAA. Well, um, I think the lack of transparency is the big issue in terms of, of uh, what, I mean, in terms of, why you're upset and everyone's upset uh, and stays upset over the issue because there doesn't appear to be rhyme or reason to any of it. It just seems so random and there is never a real explanation given and they don't have to give an explanation. So they don't. And I think that's where the big problem comes in. However, I don't believe it. It is. It actually is random. I believe it's just simply a very simple system these days that kids that want to transfer uh, and, and ask for the waiver, it gets approved when the school does not object, when the, the school he's leaving does not object, and they're fine with it. Now, Georgia didn't care that Fields left. Ohio State didn't care that Tate Martell left. 
but Auburn apparently did care that Joey Gatewood left, and they object to the move. Therefore, Gatewood has to go under the old rule, and the old rule says waivers are only given for exceptional circumstances. And if the pre previous school objects, there's almost no exceptional circumstance that's granted, although it can be granted, but it rarely is. So that 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 is my read on what happens every time. When you look at, like, why – why did this kid get granted? Why did the other kid not? It just simply has to do, did his previous school object to the transfer? Okay, if that is true, first of all, I think Auburn, at least by all accounts, came out and said, we're not objecting to Joey Gatewood going there. I mean, we're just not. We're not objecting to it. See, if you remember, um, was Auburn supposed to play Kentucky this year? Oh, yeah, they were supposed to play Kentucky this year anyway, but they weren't supposed to play them first game of the year. So I, I don't think that um, Auburn had any objections to it. I, 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 I don't, I don't know, know that they did. I know what the most common objection is, by the way. <laughs> the most common objection that's out there is the tampering. True. They're like no, that, that's why that's why there's an objection. Is, is okay. based on now, it's based on tampering. That's that's the usual objection. It's not what everybody might uh, assume uh, that that it is, but it's usually the objections are based on, hey, they were contacting our kid before it was permissible, and they shouldn't be allowed to benefit from that. Okay, I get that. Now, the flip side of that, if Auburn's objecting and all these other places aren't, or Villanova in J uh, Javon Cornelly's case, if they're objecting, right. they. Everybody I believe they did. Using that against them in recruiting all day long. That should be something that coach would go, hey, look, here's the thing. I'm I'm out for you. I'm looking out for you. And here's the deal. If you come here and for whatever reason it doesn't work out and you decide you want to go somewhere else, I'm I have a track record of saying I'm not going to object as long as you hadn't done anything criminal, you know, or or I don't believe you're going to do anything in regards to uh, football espionage, then right. you, I will let you go. But look at uh, look at what Auburn's doing over here. Look at what Villanova's doing over here. I'm not saying Auburn objected because my understanding is they did not. But if they did, then that should be used against them recruiting all day. And if I were Mark Stoops, I'd be shouting it from the mountaintops. Right, right, and that could be the case. But you know, Alabama, you know, when all this changed, or, or when when a lot of this around the time period that the rules started changing was Alabama's extremely vocal objection to Maurice Smith transferring to Georgia. And that's what ultimately got the rule changed to where there is no longer there is no longer a, uh, uh, you know, a rule against transferring in conference. You know, the, 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 at the time, the grad transfers had to sit out if they transferred in conference. That all changed as a result of the Maurice Smith situation. And I think that's when a lot of this changed. So, you know, Alabama certainly been, has objected before and, mm -hmm. you know, and hasn't hurt their recruiting. Now, that's a different situation now, and it's just different rules now. And again, I, I don't profess to know. I, there's no way to know what goes on in every single situation because my problem with the whole thing is the lack of transparency. Just, like, explain to us how this works because from the outside, it doesn't seem to work at all. So we're only left with, A, speculation, and B, what you hear. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that's, that's why, why it, it appears so random. And and apparently it can be very random and has always been. So what what we really need is transparency. And I, I don't know that that's it. I don't know that that's, that's ever going to happen. The NCAA has been very slow to uh, kind of reveal the inner workings of the sausage factory. 
I agree. All right, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Bama. Be sure to catch up with us again. We might have something out by Sunday, either Sunday or Monday. So just, you know, you never know with us. We're crazy like that. So roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.